This is When Spirit Calls, and you on your journey are in the right place. This show is about magic, miracles, and meaning shared through stories, interviews, and channeled messages. We have so much to share about who you are and your divine mission here on the earth. Let's get to it. When Spirit Calls is right now. I am so delighted to introduce you to my special guest today, Beverly Shields. After a long career in municipal government, Beverly decided to take a leap of faith in response to a spiritual call to become a certified end-of-life doula and start up a business called Courageous Goodbyes. In her role as a doula, she provides non-medical, practical, emotional, and spiritual support to the terminally ill, the dying, the grieving, and their loved ones. Her mission is to empower each person to face their fears, embrace the bittersweet gifts of the journey, and prepare for their courageous goodbyes. Ah, welcome back, everybody. So happy to be here with all of you today on When Spirit Calls. I am so excited about our guest today. You've learned a little bit about her uh, from the bio, uh, but we've got lovely Beverly here. Hello. Say hello to everyone. Hi. <laughs> hello, everyone. It's oh, wonderful to be here. It's so wonderful to have you. And, and, you know, you and I have known each other for a little while now. And the work that you do, I find so compelling and so beautiful. Mm, um, you. So, you know, as we learned in the bio, you know, you've been helping people in transition and helping families in transition. And a lot of people might think like, oh, who would want to be there when someone's dying or transitioning. But I think that there's some beauty in that. And I think that you have an idea of, of what that's all about. Obviously, spirit called you to do this work. Otherwise, you wouldn't be doing it. So I'd love to hear a bit about the story and how, you know, your endeavor or your purpose really unfolded for you in doing this work and helping people transition. So I'm going to pass it over to you, Beverly, to share with everyone what is it that brought you to helping people in transition? Right off the bat, I'm going to say I was called. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to say since I was a little girl, it was natural for all of my friends from a very young age to come to me and just share moments and uh, disappointments and looking for advice. I mean, what can a young child say? But to be honest, it feels like wisdom came from somewhere else and gave me the words that my immaturity or life experience didn't give. So I think that's really how it started. And like most people, I think that there's a void that we try to feel, to fill, because something keeps a, um, gnawing away at us and and we're trying to figure it out. And I used to look up into the stars as a young child and say, there must be more to this. But, it, you know, like I would just look up in awe. And I think that was the start. Um, I come from a family who, um, uh, from the paternal side, all the matriarchs on that side have some gifts and abilities. And as it turned out, my great-grandmother was a doula from the perspective of she helped bring everybody into the world, everything in between and all the way through. 
And I didn't know that about her. I knew her. She lived to the ripe old age of 99. Of course. But I didn't know that part about her. And so for me, I think it's something that's in my DNA. However, I don't have quite the same connection that the matriarchs on that side of the family have. They really are able to connect with spirit in a different way. For me, it flows, especially if I'm in the shower. I don't know if it's because everything kind of, you just relax, maybe uh, an unknown meditation, but I get a lot of wisdom through through the shower. I you love know. that you shared that. I get quite a bit in the shower too. And also while I'm driving, <laughs> all like if I'm driving by myself, it's like the information just seems to come. So I love that you shared that with everybody because surely you're not the only one that gets these messages or these downloads at these odd times or what we would might consider odd. And yes. I think it's because it's a space where we're still and we're quiet enough to receive the message. Yes. Right. Yes. And so yes. that is a really good invitation to the audience to remind them of moments in their day where they can find that stillness, because in that stillness is when we can receive those wonderful messages. Yeah. And we don't always realize that it maybe comes from spirit. I, I kind of know because I'm not that wise or that smart, you know, it's like, (laughs) wow, you know, but, and the interesting thing is, is that it doesn't always necessarily stay with me. It's like, it's like, I don't remember, you know, it's like, Mm. oh, wow, I should write it down. I have friends that always say to me, you should really get those kids uh, crayons, you know, that can write in the bathroom and write all those things down, you know, Uh, but no, I'm not going to do that. Um, The other place for me where uh, a lot of information seems to download is in my dreams. Mm. And that's um, interesting, you know, to me. So yeah, this calling, um, I think for me in the work that I've done, this is, is my second career. I came from corporate background and very regimented, but even within there, people naturally came, gravitated to me to help them um, in their times of need. They would walk into my office and they would kind of go, this feels good in here. And then they would tell me all kinds of stories, you know, um, troubles. And it's not that I can fix, but it's just being that stable uh, presence that they can turn to. And I really, that's the work of a doula and whether it's through birth. And as you know, for me, it's at end of life as people transition. And I have um, seen some pretty amazing things and it's not about me. It's not that I um, have the gifts necessarily the same as others. I wish I did. Like I don't see spirit. I don't audibly hear it but I kind of get this tingling sensation that comes upon me. And then maybe this wisdom, you know, that I know is not from me. Yeah. Yeah, So not, it sounds to me like claircognizance, you know, where you just know, where you just have a knowing inside of your mind. Um, But I also get the sense like you are a channeler. So even though you said it's not necessarily auditory, like you're still getting the messages there somewhere. So this clear cognizance, you know, of just all of a sudden having the knowing or the wisdom 
is a big strength for you. I can see. I want to add to what you were saying though, too, because, you know, you talk about people coming to you a lot and sharing their stories and, you know, and I want to stress a lot of people don't realize how powerful it is to hold space for others. And you are so gifted at that, Beverly. That's why you are a death doula. That's why you help people who are in transition because you're so good at holding space, allowing people to express, to be all that they need to be in that moment without judgment, without Mm -hmm. needing to fix anything even, but just to hold space. And for the audience out there, I just want you to hear how important holding space is for other people. And so it's not always about fixing and doing it's really just holding space for that person to be all that they need to be in that moment of time. And that's a powerful gift to have, you know, I have, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt a story just kind of popped into my head where I can give reference to this. So I was on a coaching type call. It was a, a coaching call from somebody for me. And I was chit-chatting with this person and we went on to go into detail about what I did. And then I just kind of started to talk, you know, because I get excited about it. And um, I guess I was talking about how nobody really dies alone, especially in this time of COVID. People are concerned that their loved ones, they couldn't get to them and they died alone. And it's my belief from things that I've seen, they don't die alone. The other loved ones come to them as they pass and they, they sit in awe and they just look up and they kind of nod or they go, no, or, or sometimes they'll say mom, or like, as if there's somebody that um, they can't believe is there. So I'm talking to this person about this, this coach. And so anyways, you know, end of conversation, there was no more to this until about several months later in this time of COVID. And I guess she was going through her things and she could see that I was somebody that didn't take up her services. So she was reaching out. In the meantime, her father had passed away in Ontario. She had traveled backwards and forwards several times over his decline, but she wasn't there when he died. And she had a very difficult time about that. But she remembered somebody, somebody had said to her, nobody dies alone. And as she was going through her notes, she saw that she had taken down the note of Nobody Dies Alone from our general chit-chatting conversation. And she wrote back to me and told me that story. And she said, thank you so much. She said, because you helped my grief journey because I would have guilted myself into a depression because I wasn't there with my dad at the moment he died and he was all alone. So even things that we say just in general chit chat sometimes, you know, uh, there's a divine message there from spirit that comes through for a time when they need it. Oh, Beverly, I have goosebumps with that story and how powerful for the audience to remind them that nobody really dies alone. Mm-hmm. I think that message in itself is so special and so magical. And having had my own near deaths, um, mm-hmm. I know that <laughs> I was welcomed by people and it was beautiful you know, but in our humanness, you know, we're thinking, oh my gosh, they were alone and they didn't have anybody, Mm -hmm. but there's this incredible spiritual energy that happens. It's so graceful and so peaceful and so loving 
that there is such comfort. And like you said, lots of times other loved ones come through to greet them. Mm -hmm. Angels are often present in that experience. And so what a beautiful and wonderful reminder. Nobody dies alone. I love that story. I love that story. So I keep getting the message that people are probably curious about what a death doula does. What is, what does that encompass and what does that look like? So, you know, we know that, you know, everyone at some point is going to die. Right. And there's a lot of people um, in this world. We know we have an aging population in the world. We have COVID to pile up on that and make life a bit more interesting. And so can you explain to the audience what a death doula does, what their role might be and how they could help somebody? Yes. So um, a death doula, some people call them end of life doulas. Um, they are a companion, somebody who takes a journey alongside another person. We meet them where they're at in life and death. Everybody has different stories, backgrounds, tragedies, wonderful things. And so we help them face death. And by doing that, putting things in place. So it's about living. It's not really about dying. Mm -hmm. It's bringing the breath of life to death. It's to use, um, it's to have the courage to face it and not sink in and internalize. I'm not to say any of those things are, are not right. There's a time and a place for everything. But to plan for death long before death, when there's no crises, when you can think things through, when you can have conversations, when you can say whether or not you want to be on life support systems or not, and why in this scenario I do, and in this one I don't, and it's all about quality of life. So that's part of the role. And then we support people who have received that terminal diagnosis because the whole family is impacted you know and so we take the journey and we just like I say meet people where they're at there's no cookie cutter answer that this is soul work right this is heart work this is family-centered work it's bringing community to death but there's also times when it's to be aware that sometimes that dying person also needs to be alone because not everybody wants to have somebody holding their hand. Wow. There's a detachment that takes place as the spirit realm and the physical realm start to separate. Right. And so they're in awe. This is my observations. This is yeah. just my personal opinion. You know, they're in awe of what's taking place and they can't believe it. And it's a detachment, right? Oh, they're, they're kind of pulled between the worlds, right? The loved ones. And then if you can imagine, they're on this shore and then they know on the other side there's all these people waiting to, to greet them. And, you know, there's excitement. So sometimes they need to die alone. So we help people see all the different scenarios. So somebody wrote uh, for me, I'm like smoke is what they said. I drift in and out. It's like quietly. It's like a come to the forefront to go into the background, depending on what's needed. So the focus is the entire family, but as the person is, preparing to die a lot of our work is to them to help them prepare you know do legacy work and what I mean by that is to write things down or leave messages for young children because not everybody dies at the ripe old age of 80 right. 90 100 right and then as the 
person is dying and slipping away, our focus really comes into the family. So we're that reassuring consistent presence when the medical people are running around doing everything they're, they're doing for curative or medical things, we're that, we fill that space, yeah. that gap. And so like, if you think about those of us that have had children, in, when you're in labor, having a baby, right? The medical system comes and goes, you're like, oh, I wish they would just stay with me the whole time, right? You were unsure. The death doula, like the birth doula, is there consistently, just reassuring. Mm. We're not afraid of death, you know? So so we bring calmness, stillness to that process. And and then we stay with the family after death. We may help with bringing in the funeral director. We may... Uh, like there's there's just such a huge gambit of things yeah so yeah it's it's diverse it really sounds like it and like you said it's it's not one size fits all it's you know a customized approach helping the family with whatever their needs are and filling in, in whatever gaps it's so interesting to me as you were speaking you know and you said not everyone wants family all the time to be visiting mm-hmm. and I was just thinking oh my gosh she's right. Like if I'm on my last days, like I'm going to want some quiet time to just be with myself as well. It's my final time with my physical self. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was interesting to me that that brought that thought that something I, I wouldn't have thought of, I would have thought that, you know, the people dying want to see all their loved ones and, and maybe not. (laughs) Right. And so you can help us to see these other perspectives or the, the perspective of the person who's you know, whose life is about to end. Now I'm curious because I mean, I'm, I feel very blessed that I had a near death or two near deaths Mm -hmm. actually, in which I got to experience the other side, so to speak, and experience how beautiful and amazing it is. But I know for a lot of people, fear is such a big piece. Mm -hmm. Do you find that a lot of patients will stay just out of fear to not of what's on the other side. And then what do you do about those ones who are like suffering in this humanness and all they need to do is let go of the fear and they could be free of that. Like, is there a process or anything you can do for that? Yes. We just have conversations, you know, depending on the person. I had one gentleman that was uh, a devout uh, uh, Christian gentleman. He was like the perfect gentleman kind, caring, good father, good family man, um, went to church every day. He was terrified to to die because he feared judgment because of the God that he learned about or how he saw God. Right. And so he delayed his journey um, substantially because I think that there is a frail free will when we let go. Yes. And so I, as another example, I've seen somebody in the active dying phase for like 18 hours when all the physical symptoms are there come back and say, I want to smoke and I want to suck sandwich. And it's like, <laughs> what happened? It's because they decided to come back, but physically they had gone. So going back to this other religious gentleman, it just took talking and and telling stories about my experiences. And for for some people have shared that they had died and came back and to share. 
their experience with them. And I think that that really, really helps them. I don't know for sure. It's what somebody else tells me, you know, I've not experienced it myself, but it's people that I trust and care about that, you know, share those things. So when they were ready to go, they, they left. And sometimes it's disturbing to see some of the things that the turmoil that some people go through as they're getting ready to die. They have this inner strength that takes over their physical body. Like this old frail gentleman with bone cancer had the strength. He just had to get out of there. I'm going home. He was determined. He was coming out of his bed. It was all we could do to restrain him, you know, and his personality actually changed because he was so determined. He wasn't the meek, mild, kind, sweet gentleman. It wasn't that he was horrible. It was like he was going. He made up his mind. Isn't the power of our Mm -hmm. will so incredible? You know, you said something really important. You're like, I think people have the power of free will to choose when they go ultimately. Mm -hmm. And that might not be conscious for a lot of people, but I would just want to bring that to the surface because I think we forget the power of our will. And we forget Mm -hmm. that we have one of the gifts of being human is the freedom that comes with our free will. And so that's powerful. Well, one of the gentlemen that, that I was telling you about that had, was actively dying and came back, he, that had happened several times. And he was um, somebody who had been through awful childhood, awful. And when he came into the hospice, and I was volunteering at that time, when he came into the hospice with so many diseases um, through lifestyle you know, choices, When he died, he looked healthier than when he came in and he lived almost a year longer than they expected. Why? Because he was cared for unconditionally. We met him where he was at. He was valued. Mm. He was like all of his needs were, it was the first time that he had received unconditional love and non-judgment for all the things that he had done. Wow. And that was life giving for us to watch and for him. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. I love the idea of life giving. And, you know, even though you might be at an end of life, you know, doula, um, there's so much that you give in that, those later stages of life. Uh, And what a beautiful gift to be able to do. And so, you know, I want to kind of wrap things up here now because we're already at the end of our time, but, you know, obviously spirit has called you to do this work because it's not, it's not for the faint of heart, Beverly, (laughs) Um, but you have an extraordinary gift of strength in the work that you do. And so I'm curious to know, you know, as spirit continues to call you, What is one of the things that shows up for you fairly consistently in the work that you do that spirit um, that maybe families don't know about, or maybe people who are going into transition and death, maybe they don't know about what is one thing that you could share that is really insightful about spirit calling them at that time or in those later stages of the journey. So you know, what do people say as ahas? What do people say in their end of life 
that maybe people don't know about that always kind of hits your heartstrings or hits the family's heartstrings? I think that it's the, the presence of everybody coming together, like that, that dedicated time together, everything else is blotted out. So they have that quality time together. Nothing's distracting. I mean, people have to go to work and so forth, but they become truly, truly present mm. because of the awareness. So it's presence. It's like you notice presence with people. I think that's huge because, you know, again, even despite some people who maybe can't be with their loved ones over COVID. And again, you know, nobody ever dies alone. We know there's all these energies that are there to you know, to be present as well, but we're talking physical presence of the family. And I remember, mm-hmm. um, actually I have the, um, the puzzle put together in a frame in my daughter's bedroom, because when my grandmother was passing, we would go and she would be in palliative care and we would actually be together, even though she couldn't necessarily participate in what we were doing, we would make puzzles together. And we would be with her and she would tell us stories as we made the puzzles and we'd share stories as we made the puzzles, Mm -hmm. but we were present there in that space. Mm -hmm. In that time, I wasn't thinking about the things I had to do. I was thinking about what a beautiful creation we were making together, even though my grandmother couldn't actually put a puzzle piece on, on the puzzle, her presence was there and we were present together. So I love that message. And I think I think the invitation for everyone listening is to not wait until Mm -hmm. those final stages of life to be present, but to be present in every moment, to allow ourselves to be present with each other when we're with Mm -hmm. each other and nowhere else. And I think that's a really beautiful message to end on. Don't you think Beverly? I do. I Uh, do. Amazing. So if somebody needs your services, where can they find you Beverly? Well, the easiest way would just go onto the onto the web and, and look up courageousgoodbyes.com. Courageousgoodbyes.com. Okay. Yes. Which came to me in a dream. Ah, uh, see? Spirit. <laughs> Spirit always. Oh, yes. Spirit's always yes. calling. <laughs> Absolutely. And even the picture on my website there is of space and it's a dying star. Came to me in a dream and I found it on the web. I couldn't believe it comes from the, the telescope, the Hubble telescope wow. and had no idea that that's what it was about. So for me, I have all those little stories that kind of keep me going. So yes, there's, there's lots of information on there. Has my phone number on there. Um, that is the easiest, fastest way to connect with me and learn a little bit more about myself and my journey. Beautiful, courageousgoodbyes.com. And, you know, we didn't get even into exploring more of these stories when Spirit called you, but I love that the actual name of your company and the Mm -hmm. images on the website already, you know, just to end things off, to remind everybody that Spirit is always calling us. Can't wait to see you next time. Thank you so much, Beverly, for being here. So much love to you. We'll see you again. You too. Bye. Bye. So happy you could join us today. And we hope that you found comfort and inspiration with wherever you are at right now. If you feel you received a gift in today's message, please pass that gift along to a loved one by sharing this episode with them. To continue this conversation, please join me at rosehope.ca. And when you do, be sure to access your free gift by signing up for the When Spirit Calls newsletter. 
I'm looking forward to connecting with you again soon.